Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Well, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Become a Patreon supporter of this very show. Greetings, programs, and welcome to the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. So how has your week been? Uh, pretty busy. It's kind of like the last little bit of busy work that I've got uh, leading this week. Well, I had a an event that I had to work on Saturday. I had Sunday off, which was nice. I just got to hang out at home and then normal... Kind of a normal work week this week. Uh, for those who are watching live, we're starting a little bit later because I actually had a all-day video shoot at work that went until about 7 o'clock tonight. So we wanted to push the show back a little bit just so you know, I didn't have to scramble to get home or anything. And you know how video shoots go. They usually run long. So, um, But we're here, and uh, there's been a lot of exciting news in the... Um, I, I know we dabble in the pop culture news mm-hmm. every now and then but i was just telling you before we started <laughs> that they officially announced that alfred molina will be returning as doc ock aka dr octopus in the next spider-man movie now for those of you who may not know like spider-man 2 is top five comic book adaptation oh, slash yeah. comic book movie for me and i loved his portrayal as doc ock so bringing him back is going to be great and it Really, it all but confirms that this is going to be a live-action Spider-Verse movie. Uh, I think it's honestly only a matter of time before they announce Tobey Maguire yeah. and Andrew Garfield. And and to be honest, I can't picture anybody else playing that role. Like I just can't. Well, it's like uh, J.K. Simmons is J. Jonah Jameson. If you yeah. notice, they never recast that role mm-hmm. until they brought him back as a surprise in Far From Home. Mm-hmm. So it's the so. same situation. I mean, they just embody those roles so well. I mean, how could you not like Alfred Molina and J.K. Simmons? I mean, they just, those two dudes, man, they just embody mm-hmm. those characters. And I would love if they, if they when they entered, um, when they announce Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, that's going to be, that, we know we're going to get a good movie then. We're going to get a good uh, Spider-Verse live action movie. Which I think will be... <sighs> It's tough to say because we don't know what the state of movie theaters are going to be. Yeah. But it, if this was pre-COVID, this would be like Avengers Endgame level. Yeah. <laughs> it would be. Like you're, you're literally bringing together three generations of, of superheroes mm-hmm. all in one movie. And I said it, you know, again off air, but when I watch this movie, if it happens, you might as well just, just take my life right then because it's not going to get any better. Yeah. And Doc Ock is pretty much my favorite super, always has been my favorite Superman, uh, Superman, Spider-Man villain. So if he's, if he's the only villain, I'll be happy. But if they do a Sinister Six or something like that, I'll, I'll still be happy. Or, you know, if they bring back, um, Willem Dafoe and, uh, I, I, hell, I even like, as much as I disliked Spider-Man 3, Thomas Hayden Church made a great Sandman. 
the reason why that movie was terrible, it was not his fault. Yeah, it was too many, too many hands in the cookie jar at that point. Yeah. If uh, if Sam Raimi had gotten to make the movie he wanted to make, we would have gotten another Spider Man too because it 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 wouldn't have had um, uh, it wouldn't have had Venom in it. He had no place in that movie. Um, you know, it, just with Sandman alone makes a great Sp- Spider Man villain. So yeah. you know. I, I would have been happy with just that. Yeah, so I, I'm expecting any time now that we're going to get that announcement. And plus, Mandalorian just keeps getting better and better, it seems like, every week. Well, we we talked with uh, the uh, our uh, official fact checker, Wally Phelps, and we're going to do a Mandalorian Season 3 retrospective when, when this, after the season ends. We're going to do a special Nerd Cave Retro episode. With the three of us, so stay tuned for that. It's going to be fun. Between this show and my show, you're going to be seeing a lot of Star Wars content. Oh, and I got a lot to say. I might have to be on both so I can fit it all in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, for those that didn't watch my uh, top five Christmas movie show, I mentioned that at the end of the year, I'm going to do a 40th anniversary Empire Strikes Back roundtable. And then to kick off 2021 do the Mandalorian. Yeah. So kind of like what we did last year, we're going to end the year with star Wars and we're going to kick yeah. it off with star. Uh, Axe blade said that rumor, the rumor now is that Charlie Cox will return as daredevil in Spider-Man three. Uh, I saw that today too. Uh, I really hope so because if you get Charlie Cox, then we're going to get the Kingpin and oh, that'd oh. Be, that would be mm. bellissimo. <laughs> Again, just kill me after the movies. Yeah, over. yeah, I'll be done after that. I don't need no more Marvel yeah. movies after that. I'll be done. Yeah, I mean we we've got the Star Wars revival. I hope. Well, no, I think Kenobi will be out by that point. Yeah, maybe. Ah, uh, Mix Master. People are going to complain about anything. He's talking about people complaining about the mission retrieval type episodes of Mandalorian. That's what makes the show good. <laughs> I don't yeah. get what people are complaining about. I see people online talking about, uh, I, I don't like just how like people are just picking apart the episodes and and saying they you know not good because of this and this. How about this? How about just enjoy something, just for once, just sit down and enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, fine. Don't get on the internet and try to destroy somebody else's joy. Well, that's been my thing is that if you, there are plenty of things that I don't like, but guess what? I don't talk about them and I don't really, I don't give them any attention. Yeah. I don't go on Facebook or I go on Twitter and just completely bash these things. So if you don't like it, then just don't watch it. We're getting Star Wars. I would have killed for all this stuff back in the late 80s through the 90s. We didn't yeah. have anything. Like That's why I love Shadows of the Empire so much. That was the only Star Wars we had. For years. Well, I think that's what makes that specific story so special, too. Is that it was like the... It was like an event with Shadows of the Empire, because it was like you never got anything Star Wars related outside of the original trilogy. (laughs) X-Blade said Marvel keeps this up, and Wally will end up with a permanent boner. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Not just him. It's all of us. (laughs) Yep. But last more than three hours. Consult a physician. Um, 
I did finish a position on speed dial. Yeah, I did finish uh, uh, Link's Awakening this last weekend, too. Um, Yep. Finished it. I didn't get the ending that you got, but uh, I I did enjoy the ending nonetheless, because I did technically die on one of the phases of the final boss. But luckily, I had the uh, uh, the one um, the the fairy that gives you the extra life when you die. Mm hmm. And um, I had died on, I think, phase four because I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand what I had to do until I died. And then I figured it out. And the rest of the phases were were easy. But that phase four was kind of weird, and I died on it. So I got a different ending than you did. I wonder how many different endings there are. It's just the one. Oh, okay. You have the normal ending and then the one that's, you know, if you don't die at all. Yeah. Throughout the, which uh spoilers for those who haven't played it. I mean, I, I the game's like almost 30 years old technically, yeah. <laughs> but, but it, it really is kind of a depressing ending. Yeah, it is kind of. I it, I mean, I knew it was coming cuz they kind of, you know, they telegraph what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And when it happens, you're just kind of like, "Oh." <laughs> you know. But it's it's one of those things like it's revealed but then it's like, is it really what's going to happen? And the only way you can find out is if you wake up the windfish. Yeah. And then, sure enough, it happens. Great game, though. I still give it a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Solid 10 out of 10. Yeah, it's it, it's an excellent, excellent game. I can't, I can't recommend it enough. If you haven't played it and you got some time coming off for Christmas, go get it. It's the perfect game to play. So Mixmaster is talking about the different endings. It, it's more, it's more or less like a post-credit scene. Yeah. As far as like an alternate ending, and it's, it's like a, a little, it's little it's extra an, thing. Yeah, it's like an the ending's animated, like it's hand-drawn, like animation, like almost like paintings, almost. If there were to ever be a Zelda series, I would be okay if it were in that style. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, I, is that how your ending was too, with the hand-drawn paintings and all that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. Go get it, everybody. Yeah. Just go get it. Yep. That's all I got to say. Absolutely. But I'm ready to go into the news. How about you? Let's do it. This comes from I Am The Rampage. Let me pull up the thing here. Uh, this is from PlayStationLifestyle.net. Sonic the Hedgehog lifetime sales hit 1 billion copies. Sonic the Hedgehog is arguably Sega's most renowned franchise, something that's reflected quite clearly in its lifetime sales. In their annual investors report, Sega has revealed that the Blue Hedgehog and his companions have racked up 1.14 billion copies sold. His journey began in 91 on the Sega Genesis. He since made appearances on many platforms, although his last PlayStation outing was Team Sonic Racing last year. Between digital sales and free-to-play downloads, the Hedgehog shifted over 200 million units in 2020, pushing it over the 1 billion mark this year. The infamous live-action CGI movie likely raised Sonic's profile amongst the younger generation of gamers. Although it doesn't say if it was, uh, if it's all of the... Uh, the the Sonic games combined that make a million, or if it's like the original Sonic game, which I doubt. I think it might be all of the Sonic games combined because it doesn't really make it clear anywhere in this article. Yeah, that that was the assumption that I got to that it was 
Sonic as a franchise. Yeah. And and not just <clears throat> the original game. Yeah, because I don't even but, think uh, the Mario games have hit a billion. Any of the Mario games. I don't think yeah. any game has hit a billion. <laughs> no, and it, God, it just blows my mind to think of what would if it ever did happen. Probably like... Uh, What's that? Uh, what's that game with the blocks? Um, Minecraft. Minecraft, probably Minecraft. Yeah, I could see Minecraft doing it, but no, th- this is this is really cool, and I mean, it it shows the popularity of the franchise. And as I've documented in the past on this show, even though it hasn't done as well to me since it went to 3D, it's still doing well enough that they keep making these games. Oh yeah. I'm. I just think it's only a matter of time before we find out what the next Sonic game is going to be because of the 30 year anniversary that's coming up uh, in 2021. Really, uh, it, it says here also that um, it says only time will tell of what they have planned for Sonic. Although I'll be surprised if they don't have anything in the works to mark his 30th anniversary, whether it's a new game or the sequel to the movie. I don't think the sequel will happen yet. I don't think that'll be till 2022. I hope they do a Sonic battle game. That would be so awesome in the vein of Mario 35 and Tetris 99. God, that would be insane. It's made for that. <laughs> that would be so cool. This is kind of unrelated, but I was playing Mario 35 the other day. I did three matches in a row where I ended in the top three. Really? I did not make it to number one, and I was so <laughs> close to it, but there was... There was one time that I was really, really close, but I just ran out of time. So what's your strategy? So what I do is I, when I go to world one dash two, I go through the, you know, you go over the pipe that takes you to the exit to go to the warp zone. Mm-hmm. If, there's, if the options there, I keep alternating between world one dash one and one dash two. If okay. I can, because the world's easy. And the the farther you get, the more enemies are going to pop up, which are going to add to your time. Okay. So that that's what I do. Yeah, that's kind of what I do too. Um, I I last couple times I went to the warp, I went to world four one, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, tried to do it that way. But it starts getting pretty rough when you do that. So <laughs> I was well, just and- I was kind of really trying to just take my time in world one one and one two. Like not rushing through it, trying to kill as much as I can, you know that type of that type of strategy well, and there are times that you don't have the option to go back to one dash one, yeah, and then if you're especially if you're in like the top ten or the top five, then just this ridiculous number of enemies start showing up, like you have to fight Bowser just in the <laughs> middle of a a normal stage, <laughs> wow, along with like two or three hammer brothers throwing hammers at you it it gets nuts, but no, you hit the nail on the head. Sonic would be perfect for that. Like, if they announce that, again, it's it's something that I will absolutely play. I oh, mean, I, yeah. When I, when I think they, sh- they should do that, I would love if they made a sequel to Sonic Mania. That would be a lot of fun. And then... <sighs> they'll do a 3D game, though I wouldn't be as excited for it. Because mm. as I mentioned last week, I played... I played Sonic Forces, and I, I did play through the entire game just because I wanted to see how the story ended. I still stand by what I said. The story was good, but the actual gameplay and everything else was very meh. 
Yeah, Sonic doesn't work in a 3D world. It just doesn't. No, it, it's it works perfectly as the classic 2D platform where you just try and get through each zone as fast as you can. Yeah, that's what they need to stick to. Just variations of, on that. Yeah. Our next story, this is actually really cool. This is from RetroDodo.com. Nintendo wood carvings make the perfect gifts for gamers. It's safe to say that Nintendo knows how to make iconic characters and game series, and these Nintendo wood carvings perfectly encapsulate our favorite games in a unique and arty way. The retro gaming community stretches further than just gamers. We've seen this much from the best retro gaming books with titles portraying the wonderful Game Boy cover art that defined a generation. And now we've come across these wonderful Nintendo wood carvings by crafty Etsy creator Pigmented. Spanning everything from game carts to nostalgia-sparking cover art, Pigmented creates stunning pieces that look so real they wouldn't look out of place in an NES or Game Boy Advance. These look really freaking cool. These are cool. I want, I want the Mario Brothers uh, NES um, cart one. Yeah, the, the Metroid Fusion Game Boy Advance one looks sick, too. Yeah. But they've got, if, if you scroll farther down, they have uh, Castlevania for NES. They have the Mario Duck Hunt combination. Yeah, Turtles, the, the arcade yep. game. Oh, that Wind Waker one for GameCube yeah. is awesome. That looks awesome. The Twilight Princess looks mm-hmm. really good. Like Honestly, they all look good. I, I That Twilight Princess is cool, but honestly, I like the uh, the Zelda Game Boy Advance one. Oh, the Minish Cap? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that one cool. looks really good, too. I like... I want all these. These look great. Oh, I, I do, too. My, fa- my favorites, though, I, I like... Wind Waker, I think, has to be up there. The Charizard Pokemon trading card looks really good, too. Yeah. Uh, who am I kidding? They all look good. <laughs> I wonder how much these cost. Uh, the Twilight Princess game cover costs around 180 Woo-hoo! I imagine Man. they're they're quite expensive because these are probably made. You know, he's got to do each of these one by one. Yeah, you got to think like just the sheer labor you have to put into that. Mm-hmm. But man, these look really cool. That I was, Castlevania I was, one, man, look at that. Yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. I'm actually gonna throw this in the, uh, the chat here. Yes, please do. Yeah, everybody should go. Uh, I just posted it in the Twitch chat if you're watching live. Go take a look at those. They look really, really freaking good. Those Pokemon ones look good, too. I just want all of them. Yeah, I want everything here. I want all these. Well, I, I, what I love about the Pokemon cartridges is that they're like an off color of mm-hmm. what the cartridge actually was. Like the Blastoise one, that was Pokemon Blue, so it has a bluish tint. Same thing with yellow, the one with Pikachu on it. I love little detail like that. Man, these are so awesome. I wish I was this talented. Me too. (laughs) That and I I wish I had the patience to do something like that. Yeah, no kidding. These have to take forever. Yeah. Wow. Worth it, though. Oh, yeah. these are. I'm saving this. I want to go and look at what all these got for sale. Yeah, same. Uh, Also from NintendoLife.com, this is a Kickstarter alert. Upcoming documentary seeks to explore the incredible legacy of Street Fighter 2. Let's see. uh, 
Street Fighter 2 is a special game. Capcom's title rejuvenated the arcade industry and turned characters like Ryu, Ken, and Chun-Li into pop culture icons in the series, spawned numerous video sequels as well as toys, comics, movies, and much more. The documentary Here Comes a New Challenger aims to capture what makes the game so special by exploring not only the coin-op routes through the series, but also by delving deep into the history of Street Fighter on home formats, such as the Super Nintendo, which played host to what perhaps one of the most significant arcade-to-home ports of all time. Uh, And here's the update that the Kickstarter is now live with a goal of 25,000 pounds. If you've got a spare... 1,500 pounds, you can secure yourself an executive producer credit on the final film. Uh, And I'm not sure what this converts to in American. I think they're pretty close uh, dollars to to pounds. Uh, For 500 pounds, an associate producer credit awaits. We imagine the 28-pound tier will be the most popular, which we get you a digital copy of the movie, its soundtrack, behind-the-scenes videos, and your name in the end credits. That's not bad for 28 bucks. No, not bad at all. So is if you're, there a tier that comes with a bison smoking jacket? Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, I would get it for that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but if you're a Street Fighter II fan, this sounds like something that uh, you might want to go jump on. Yeah, this, this is really cool. and like it, it makes me think in the back of my mind, I would love to do something like this, like do a documentary about a video game series. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now they have a, uh, they're almost at 7,000 with 62 backers and 24 days to go. Yeah. And this started, when did this start? Uh, let's see what, six days ago. I think what, like, uh, last Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. So if you want to get on a little over three, they still got a little over three weeks, so. Yeah. They got plenty of time. Oh, yeah. So if you're interested, head over there and throw them a couple bucks. Yep. And our last story comes to us from businesswire.com. Nintendo Switch achieves its best October sales to date. On Black Friday, Nintendo is bundling a Nintendo Switch system with a download code for the digital version of the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe game, along with a three-month individual membership to Nintendo Switch Online. Uh... Let's see, with growth of 136% when compared to the same month in 2019, the Nintendo Switch family of systems saw its strongest October sales yet, with more than 735,000 units sold between Nintendo Switch and Nintendo Switch Lite in the U.S. According to numbers provided by NPD, the October 2020 sales of Nintendo Switch are the second highest October sales of any video game console in history only outdone by the 807,000 units sold of the Wii system in October of 2008. It continues a record-setting streak for the Switch as the best-selling video game console for 23 consecutive months, the most months in a row for any video game console since NPD started tracking sales numbers. It's crazy. It sold sold more than 22.5 million units in the United States, and according to internal Nintendo data, Nintendo Switch has sold in more than 63 million units worldwide. That's a lot of units. That is a lot of units. And, you know, we've touched on this really since COVID hit. This is the perfect console to have if, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're still leery about going out and, and doing things. You can play it on your couch. You can play it 
really anywhere and it's got a solid library you've got breath of the wild you got mario odyssey mario kart smash brothers the great list of indie games that it has Dude, I, I'm, it's got so many good games for it. If you don't have a Switch, you're missing out. I mean, this is probably... I never really played the Wii that much. I had one. I didn't really have... I You know, I loved Mario Galaxy. I loved uh, the new Super Mario Brothers. But I didn't really play much for it. I haven't had this much fun with a, a Nintendo system since probably the Super Nintendo. Agreed. I had this conversation the other day that other than the Super Nintendo, this is my favorite Nintendo console. Mine too. Like, I I think the Super Nintendo will always hold a special place for me because I grew up with it Mm -hmm. and played so many great games for it. So it has that, it has that connection with me. But when it comes to the Switch, as an adult gamer, I haven't had this much fun with a console, I think, ever. Like, Mm -hmm. the Xbox 360 was a lot of fun. Um, the, the GameCube was fun, but the Switch is just on a whole nother level for me. Yeah, just the portability of it, the the game, the games they have for it. I mean, just the first party games alone. You know, Nintendo it just has they have that Nintendo quality. I mean, Breath of the Wild is one of the best games you can possibly play of the last ten years. Um, you know, uh, Mario, uh, Mario, Ga- what was it? Uh, Mario Galaxy. When Galaxy, uh, Mario, Mario Odyssey. Odyssey, yeah, Mario Odyssey, it was fantastic. Um, I mean, more. I still play Mario Kart Eight, and it just man, so many good. All the indie games, like it's if you like just indie games in general, then this is like the console to have. I mean, this is like the the best indie console you can possibly get. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I can't say enough good things about the Switch. I've loved it since day one. Oh, me too. Um, but let's go ahead and we're going to move into this month in video game history. Yeah, Mixmaster was saying I need some emotes to unlock and the... Uh, and um on Twitch and I need to do that I just haven't ha- been able haven't had time to do it. <laughs> so if if you want to make me some feel free and uh I'll we'll, I'll I'll upload them. Cuz I can upload them. I just I haven't had time to make any. Um but for December of 1981, Jumpbug, the first scrolling platformer developed by Hoy Corland and Alpha Denchi is dr- distributed to North America by Rockola under license from Sega. Jump Bug. I remember this game. I actually like the poster quite a bit. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of Burger Time or something. A little bit, yeah. It has that same type of uh, hand-drawn animation style. Mm-hmm. I mean, just by the, the flyer alone, it makes me want to check it out. Like, It seems like it would be a fun arcade game. That sounds familiar. That's I don't think that that's not on the Genesis, is it? No. No, I don't think so. No. No, it doesn't sound familiar. I don't Plus, know. it says here, no, it was it was ported to the Emerson Arcadia and the Leisure Vision system. The what? 
<laughs> leisure vision. All right, let, I gotta check this out. What is the le? Where do you see that at? Uh, what do oh, you just okay. casually look at? You casually uh, look at things. I got. Uh, the Leisure Vision is a second generation <laughs> home video game console released in 1982 by now defunct Leisure Dynamics only in Canada oh. for a price of 45 American dollars. Wow. Many legally licensed uh, releases of the Arcadia 2001 home video game console. It was trademarked on March 29th, 1982. The production discontinued in 1984. Which there's no, there, there's no picture of it. I'm disappointed. No. Maybe that should be what my documentary is about, the leisure vision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, something we do know about in December of 1982, Atari releases E.T. the Extraterrestrial, written in five and a half weeks. It's one of the games that sparks the video game crash of 1983. A great documentary about this, too. Uh, I think it's still on Netflix, isn't it? I'm trying to remember because Netflix Netflix has been frustrating me with like the amount of stuff they've been taking off. Like I got legitimately angry when they took off Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah. (laughs) After it had been on there for God knows how long. The minute we go to to watch it. And it's gone. (laughs) Of course. Damn you, Netflix. And they're raising their prices too. So Netflix might get the axe here soon. After Cobra Kai. Yeah, after Cobra Kai. I have to watch Cobra Kai. <laughs> uh, December 15th of 1984, Atari Games releases Marble Madness, the first game written in the C programming language and to use a 68,000 family microprocessor. I like Marble Madness a lot. Even just the NES port is fun. And the music's really good, even though it's really, really short. Didn't you review this? Yeah, I did. Um, it's... Yeah. Man, there are speedrunners that be- literally beat this game in like two and a half minutes. That's how short it is. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Go look at some of the speedruns on YouTube. It's like two minutes thirty seconds, two minutes twenty seconds. It's nuts. That's insane. Uh, December fifteenth of nineteen eighty nine, Hudson Soft releases Box Adventure in Japan. Introducing the TurboGrafx-16 mascot and starting the Bonk franchise. Maybe you should review Bonk since you've got the TurboGrafx-16 now. Yeah, I should. Hmm. There, there's there's a couple of games that I'm looking at reviewing from, and I just have to decide. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it looks it looks like a game that I would actually like because I'm all for a good platformer. Yeah, it's not bad. I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely check it out. Uh, let's see. December 17th of 1993, Capcom releases Mega Man X for the SNES. Great graphics, great music, but that game's frustrating to me. Even I, As much as I love Mega Man games, it's the, the Super Nintendo versions really weren't for me. It's a hard game. Yeah. It's, and then- it's fun. I like it looks great. It plays well. I like the villains that you fight. But man, it's a hard game. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of text to read and dialogue in that game, and it stops the action, and that's what drives me crazy. Which surprised me because I wasn't expecting that from a Mega Man game. Because I played Mega Man X before I've played really in depth any of the mm-hmm. other 
like NES games. I don't I don't need dialogue in my Mega Man game. Tell me what I'm doing at the beginning and then just let me go. Yeah. Uh, and Axe Blade said Air Zonk is fun too if you're into horizontal shmups. I don't think I didn't play the Air Zonk. I didn't play that one. I have to check that out too. Well, luckily I've got two weeks off coming up here yeah, he, at the end of the, end he said of the it's month. On, so. He said it's on the many, but I don't remember yeah. it being on there. Hmm. Let's see. Uh, December 9th of 1994, Namco, uh, Namco releases its first 3D fighting game, Tekken, to arcades. I, I remember the uh, Tekken having a, a decent following, but if I remember right, it never really reached that same level of like a Mortal Kombat or a Street Fighter, but it was like the the third tier yeah. when it came to like the arcade franchises. Yeah, I did drop a lot of quarters in the Tekken, though. They used to do Tekken tournaments at the Aladdin's Castle at the mall where I live, and uh, they used to do Tekken tournaments on Saturdays. Yeah. Of course, I, get, I couldn't get past the you know seven-year-old Asian kids that would beat my ass at it. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't even see the screen all, all you see is a little knuckles up on the uh, uh, working the controls uh sets the controller down and you just see steam coming off yeah. of it <laughs> uh, let's see december 10th of 1994 nintendo releases wario's woods in north america it's the last official game to be released for the nes in north america before nintendo would officially discontinue production of the console it's a great trivia question. If you did video game trivia, what's the last official game to be released mm-hmm. on the NES? I would have said Zoda's Revenge, but uh, now we know it's Warriors Woods. Yeah. Uh, and Axe Blade said it was on the Japanese side of the control uh, the console. Uh, so the uh, the PC engine, it was on the PC engine because uh, when you do the Turbo Graphics sixteen mini, you get uh, you can choose between the Turbo Graphics and the uh, the PC engine. The PC engine was the Japanese version. Of the Turbo Graphics, if people didn't know that. Okay. There's a whole set of different games on that one. Nice. And to close us out for this month in video game history, on December 7th, 1998, Factor 5 and LucasArts release Star Wars Rogue Squadron for the Nintendo 64. I love the Rogue Squadron games. So good. So good. Even the ones for the GameCube were great too, dude. The ones for the GameCube, I got. I have a Rogue Squad. I can't remember which one I got, dude. It looks great on the big. I have mm-hmm. a big, uh, fit, like fifty-five inch TV that I play. I hook my GameCube up to just the regular, you know, like regular GameCube hookups. It looks fantastic and sounds great. Mm-hmm. Like it's it holds up like crazy. Yeah, I remember, I, I want to say I reviewed the second one a while back, and I, I thought the same thing. It, lo- it looked really good. Yeah, those Rogue Squadron games, uh, even for the Nintendo 64, were really good. Um, that was probably one of the few games that actually worked well with that uh, single stick controller. Yep. You know, I was talking the other day with somebody about how I think that when it comes to, especially the short term, why Star Wars works as series on disney plus a rogue squadron series set during like the time of essentially like but after revenge of the sith up through the end of the original trilogy would be awesome now now you're speaking my language 
you don't have to include anybody from the original movies. Just follow a group of rebels who are Rogue Squadron. If you're going to do Rogue Squadron, you got to have Wedge Antilles in there. You have to do it. Yep. Yep. I used to collect those comics. Those comics were great. Mm-hmm. Mm, so good. But before we go into the review tonight, Derek has shout-outs. As always, we'd like to shout out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout out Armez Jackson, Axblade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, a.k.a. Mixmaster, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Randy Bailey, and Tyler Watson. Thank you guys so much for your continued contributions and keeping the lights on here at the Nerd Cave Retro Show. And because you have kept us at the $50 level, we will continue to do fun movie commentaries. And I think we're going to do a Christmas movie uh, this month. I I think we're going to put up a poll uh, that I'll do this week to uh, decide what we're going to do for the commentary. And also, the poll is still up for our January franchise discussion. So if you haven't got your vote in yet, it closes on the 31st. So get your vote in to decide what you would like us to talk about for an episode in the month of January. And if you want to be a part of that, just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And don't forget about the changes coming up to the show in January as well. We're going to do a, a once a month, we're doing a community uh, we're doing a community shout out sort of thing. And uh, we're going to actually do a little interview with, for the very first one, we're going to talk to uh, Daniel Salmon, uh, who is our, um, he's not only a patron, but he's also our discord community manager. And uh, we're going to talk to him and see what he's, he's been up to. He's gonna be cool to talk to because he's going to have a cool Australian accent and that's going to be cool. <laughs> yes. But uh, but you ready to move into our review to, for tonight? Yes, sir. Let's do it. I call jaunty music. Very underrated music from this franchise, if I do say so myself. So last week we talked about the Link's Awakening remaster, and I had been playing a remaster of my own. Now I wasn't expecting to review it this soon, but I figured, why not? And it's a game that I also mentioned last week because uh, I bought a few games uh, on the uh, Switch because they were doing a Black Friday sale. But the game I'm going to be reviewing is Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled, a.k.a. the remastered version of Crash Team Racing, also known as CTR. It is a a kart racing game released in 2019, developed by Beanox and published by Activision. The game is a remastered version of Crash Team Racing, which was originally developed by Naughty Dog for the PlayStation in 1999 and focuses on players using one of several characters from the Crash Bandicoot series to tackle races each of which include power-ups to help with combating opponents. So what you might be thinking if you've never played Crash Team Racing before is, oh, this is probably just another Mario Kart knockoff. And it does borrow a lot of elements from Mario Kart, which, in fairness, a lot of racing games have Mm -hmm. (laughs) since the original Mario Kart came out. Because that we've talked about that in the past as well, is that the original Mario Kart set the standard. Oh, yeah. 
for for what a good racing game is. And, and I was going to say, how how could you not, you know, pull from that? I mean, that kind of set the standard. Yeah, and I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. But I, I think if you're a different franchise and you're going to create a racing game and you're going to have elements of Mario Kart, you're going to have the different tracks, you're going to have the different cups that you can win, the power-ups that you can use to attack your opponents or to help you get to the finish line quicker. you got to add your own little element to it. And what I remember playing Crash Team Racing back in the day because you know my, my uncle had a PlayStation, and it was there that I played Crash Bandicoot 2 for the first time and was introduced to that franchise and then went back and played the original. The third one came out. And then, of course, you had Crash Team Racing. And instantly I thought of Mario Kart, but I liked the Crash game, so I was like, I'll give it a shot. And what I like about Crash <clears throat> Team Racing is that it actually has a story element built into it which to me is a little bit unique for a racing game because you think of Mario Kart, there's really not a story to it. You just race. You pick your character and you try and you know win the Mushroom Cup, Flower Cup, whichever cup you're trying to get. But the story of this game, so this alien uh, named Nitrous Oxide shows up who claims to be the best racer in the entire galaxy. And he threatens to take over Earth unless a champion from the planet can beat him in a race. So essentially, if you beat him in a race, then he leaves Earth alone. If he wins, he's going to turn it into a giant parking lot. <laughs> as, as he says in the beginning of the game. So essentially, whoever you pick from the, the long list of characters from the, the Crash series, your goal is you go through four different islands, which each have a different theme to them. And uh, you do four tracks per island. And after that, you do what's called a boss race. So Ripper Roo, for example, who is a like, crazy whacked-out kangaroo uh, villain from the original series, he's the boss of the first island. So you beat him, you get the key to move on to the second island. Then you do the same thing. You go through the different tracks, you win trophies, challenge that boss. And when you beat all four of them, you become the champion of the planet and you get the right to race nitrous oxide. So uh, that was something that made Crash Team Racing stand out to me outside of Mario Kart because it has a story element to it. And, you know, Diddy Kong Racing kind of did the same thing too. But um, what I like about this game and especially the remastered version because I wasn't, I was originally planning on playing it at some point. But when I saw that it was on sale for really cheap on the Switch, it was impossible to pass up. Yeah. And I found myself, when I come home from work, and I'm just kind of winding down, I kept going back to this game. Like, I would do a couple of tracks. I was like, oh, this is fun. You know, because it just reminded me of the old game, but with better graphics. And then I would put it down, do something else. But then whenever I would have some downtime, I would come back to it. And I've kept going. And I haven't beat the game yet. But I've been having a lot of fun doing it because it's one of those games that yet a lot of the uh, diffi- uh, tracks are difficult. Sometimes frustratingly difficult. Mm-hmm. Like the one that I'm on right now. That So I'm, I'm on medium difficulty. 
and maybe this is just a sign that I'm getting older, <laughs> but th- this, um, this mind track that I've been playing through, the highest I've finished is fourth. Mm. So it's like, is the game really that hard, or am I just like getting soft in my older age? You're losing those reflexes. Yeah, it sucks. It makes me sad. But um, the cool thing, another cool thing about Crash Bandicoot is that it has some really cool weapons that you can use too. And again, like Mario Kart, there are some that will hinder your opponents, and there are some that will help you you get to the finish line faster. So you have uh, missiles that you can use and you also collect wumpa fruit throughout the track so like the more you collect the faster your cart gets and then if you get your max number of 10 then your weapon whatever you pick is powered up so say normally you'd get one missile well if you have the 10 wumpa fruits you would have three in your arsenal that you could use same thing with bombs um, you could also get um, a mask so if you have a, a hero character you get the aku aku mask or if you're a villain, you get his uh, evil twin, Uka Uka. When you use the mask, you're temporarily invincible, kind of like the star mm-hmm. for, for Mario. And it makes your, um, your cart faster. Um, so there, there's a lot of good variety of weapons that, that you can use to, to go through. And also, the graphics look great. And that was something that I praised when the Insanity Trilogy came out, is I thought they did a great job of taking what were very average-looking games for their time, because you go back and look at that original Crash Bandicoot, and it is rough. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, even the second one doesn't look that great, but they, they did a very nice job of creating a very visually pleasing environment with Crash Team Racing. And you heard at the start of the review... The music to Crash Bandicoot is just fun. Yeah. It has that kind of like, you know, island beat to it that's just, you know, you can't help but, you know, bob your head or like sway your shoulders a little bit to it. Uh, there's, there's not really a lot to, to hate about this game other than, as I mentioned, at times it can be a little bit frustratingly difficult. Mm-hmm. So, like for for example, this mind track that I've been doing. Well, I imagine that you know you say it's difficult. I, you know, I find um, Mario Kart to be a little easy. So maybe this is uh, you know would be a good if you are a fan of you know racing games and you like Mario Kart. This might be you know the step up from Mario Kart as far as far as the the difficulty level. True. That is a good point, and Mixmaster throws in. Uh, he said the power slide takes a while to get used to. That's one thing, too. So you do this thing called, I believe it's called Turbo Slide in the game, where if you're going around a corner, you can make your cart slide, and if you hit the opposite button, so say like if you're taking a left turn, you hit the left, uh, the left uh, top trigger button on the switch to make your character slide. Well, if you hit the right button when the smoke from your cart turns black, you create a boost that makes your cart go faster for a short period of time. That's cool. That's a, it's a little complex to get used to, mm-hmm. but once you learn how to do it, it makes racing, it makes it easier. So there's really, there's really not a lot that I, like I said, that I dislike about this game. 
I, what I like about racing games is that it takes a little bit to to learn. Like you got to learn like what button controls the gas, what controls your weapon, so on and so forth. But once you learn that, you just kind of dive right in. And one great addition also that I wanted to point out for this remaster is the customization. Yeah. With all your characters. So with the original, like if you pick Crash Bandicoot, that's it. Like you can't change your character. Mm-hmm. You're stuck with them until you either beat the game or you just start a new one. But with this one, you can change your character at any time. You can also customize your cart where, so say like there's a cart that's designed specifically for Crash or one that's designed for Cortex. Well, any character can use that cart. You can also customize it with racing stripes, stickers, uh, paint jobs, like all this stuff you can unlock because you earn coins um, after every race. So you go into what's called the pit stop where they have a rotating uh, selection of items from, like I said, paint jobs to character outfits, so on and so forth. So uh, there's still something to play for even after you beat the game if you want to like ultimately customize your character. Yeah, because that's the one thing. Like, there is a little bit of customization in Mario Kart. Um, I would love to play a game like this where it, it sort of has, like, you could do in an RC Pro Am back in the day, where like you get nitro boosters and engine upgrades and all that kind of stuff. Like, I really don't want to play like a real racing game, like those games like Forza and all that stuff. That doesn't really appeal to me. Give me something a little more a little more wacky and I'm into it. Like I was actually thinking today, what would make a great racing game? And I was like, garbage pale kids. What if you had a garbage pale kids racing game? <laughs> that would be so cool. I would definitely oh, you could do some fun things with that. Yeah, you could have like snot rockets and like all kind of stuff that you could do with it. Um but I was also thinking today too, I was like, man. Nintendo just needs to come out with um, a brand new uh, F-Zero game with a story mode, uh, intense customization of your uh, your hover cars, like, you know, like, like I was saying, like engine upgrades and boosters and paint jobs and like even down to like, you know, Captain Falcon's, you know, racing suit. Like, give them, like, different racing suits and helmets and, like, all the different customizations you could do in that game. I, like, that would be that would be a $60 game for me to have a brand new F-Zero where you would have all that customization and, and online play and a, a really good single-player campaign. Like, that's what I want is a good F-Zero game. Well, and that would be a great answer to Crash Team Racing. Yeah, because you you see what what Activision and Beanox did with this game. They they took the core element of what I thought worked really well with the original Crash Team Racing, and you add the customization, you add the beautiful graphics. You have, I mean, the story mode was there in the original, but still, I'll throw that in there because it's it's something that I think is still a bit overlooked when it comes to what makes this game as good as it is. But yeah. No, I, I agree with you completely that if Nintendo were to do an F zero game like that, I think it might surprise them as to how well it would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause F zero is, uh, you know, it's a great franchise. 
And when was the last F-Zero game? The last one I remembered was, yeah, Mixmaster, they had one for the GameCube, uh, which he said was killer. I think that might have been the last one. I don't remember. I think um, you're right. Let me... F... Z, let me let me pull up the old Google machine. Yeah, Mixmaster says I got to get Crash Four. I want to get it too, uh, but I'm waiting for it to come out on the Switch. Just because, like games like Crash Bandicoot, I would much rather play on the Switch. And I, I've heard that it's a pretty decent game. Uh, it says the series has been dormant since release of F Zero Climax in 2004 in Japan. Although uh, the elements of the series have been represented in other Nintendo video games, most notably Super Smash Brothers and Mario Kart franchises. Axeblade says he also wants a new Star Fox game on the Switch. D that too. Uh, now you're talking <laughs> about language. I love Star Fox. I'm down for it all. Bring me, give me a Star Tropics game for the Switch, Nintendo. Come on. Got all these great franchises just gathering dust. If uh, if a Star Tropics game is ever announced, I'm just going to lean my ear towards mm -hmm. the state of Mississippi just to hear you scream. <laughs> You'll hear me scream. <laughs> but I yeah, F Zero is one that's like kind of baffling to me that they haven't made a new F Zero game, especially for the Switch, because you could use. You know, the, the motion technology and, like, everything that's in the Switch. Like, that is a platform completely made for that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because I do really like racing games. I just don't like the realistic ones. I don't, I don't really get into, like, Gran Turismo or Forza, any of that stuff. I didn't even really get into, like, the needs per speed games and things like that like i really like the the goofy racers like this and mario kart stuff like that <clears throat> and if, if that's the case then I, I think you would actually like crash team racing it's it, like you mentioned it's i would say a more difficult version of mario kart yeah you'll definitely get the mario kart feel when you play it let me and, and then let's see Mixmaster asked did you like star fox adventures um, I actually did. Uh, I wasn't expecting to because it's very different than your traditional Star Fox. It, it felt like if you meshed Star Fox with Ocarina of Time as far as the gameplay goes. But pretty fun game. Let me look up. I want to see if it's... How much did you pick up Crash Team Racing for? Um, how much... It, it, because right now it is on sale. Uh, the regular one is on is for thirty nine ninety nine, and I'm not sure if that's on sale or not. Um, uh, I want to say I got it. I want to say I got it for twenty nine. Okay. Um, it might go on sale again pretty soon. Um, yeah. They also have another one, nitrous oxide edition. Yeah, know. that was a special edition they did with um, some extra characters and things like that. Okay, uh, let's see. Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled Full Game. Uh, Nitrous Oxide Crunch Zim and Zam characters. Nitrous Oxide Hovercraft Cart uh, Skin Packs. Uh, robot Skin. Unique Podium Animation. Uh, wow, all kind of stuff comes with this. 
Crash Cocoa mm-hmm. and Cortex Electron skins. Um, all kind of stuff available in this one. So if you got sixty bucks to throw on it, I I, I would say get the uh, nitrous oxide edition. Get yeah, all the little and, and I, Yeah, I saw that, but when I saw that the original was, <laughs> I was like, I can't pass that up. Yeah, I mean, if you see that original one for you know twenty nine bucks, that that's the one to pick up. Yeah, but uh, let's see. Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled received generally favorable favorable reviews, according to Metacritic. Praised the graphics, tight controls, massive amounts of content, and faithfulness to the original racing games. Though it was criticized for its high difficulty curve and issues with online play on the PS4 version of the game, that is something I haven't tried yet. I haven't tried to do online play. And then the inclusion of microtransactions, which were added a month after the game's release, were also criticized. Particularly as early interviews stated no such feature would be present in the game. Ugh. Yeah. I see I mean, microtransactions and I'm just like, Ugh. Yeah. Is it bad that I instantly think of EA? Yeah. <laughs> They're the. They, They're forever synonymous with microtransactions. Yeah, they started that crap. Yeah. But for some of the examples for reviews, Destructoid gave it an 8 out of 10. Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Game Informer, an 8 out of 10. GameSpot, 8 out of 10. And I I think 8 is about right if I were to give this game a number score. It's very good. It's a lot of fun. It's got great graphics. As mentioned before, the controls are tight, so it's it controls very very well and other than the 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 frustrating difficulty sometimes though some of that as i mentioned might be user error um <laughs> it's it's a really it's a really fun game i i highly recommend if you're a fan of the mario kart style racing games definitely get crash team racing nitro fueled uh Axblade asked you if you played sonic racing or team sonic racing didn't you review sonic racing Sonic, um, let's see. I'm thinking of Sonic R, like the old racing game. But let me, let me look. Uh, team, yeah, Team Sonic Racing. I have not actually played that yet. Hmm. Um, it's, I've seen gameplay of it, and it looks fun. I just haven't sat down and played it yet. Yeah, but. I'll add it to my list. Oh, some somebody said on our Discord today was something that uh, asked if we had reviewed. Oh, it was um, uh, the Lion King for Super Nintendo, and I thought you had reviewed that, but uh, I got confused. You did Aladdin. Yeah. So I, I think, haven't done Lion King yet. I think you might have to do the Lion King in the uh, beginning of the year. Because I know that game is notoriously, ridiculously hard. I'll do my best to not sing the songs. <laughs> but you can. I, I, will, I won't mind. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's my overall thoughts on uh, Crash Team Racing Nitro Field. It's a really fun game. I, I recommend that, as I mentioned, anybody who likes the that style of racing, check it out. Yeah, I might check it out because uh, I do enjoy a good racing, good goofy racing game. You should. Um, before we go tonight, uh, is there anything you wanted to throw out there? I know you had a really good, uh, you know, last 
few episodes of Derek Diamond Experience have been really good. The uh, the top five Christmas movies was highly enjoyable. I uh, listened to that yeah. one the other day. And thank you to those who participated in my Twitter poll on is Die Hard a Christmas movie. Everyone voted the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've actually got two good shows come, well, technically three, but the, the two immediate ones I want to mention. So if you're listening on the download, this episode is out now. Um, I had the pleasure of interviewing an actor slash stunt coordinator named Christopher Dukes, who actually, uh, did stunt work for the original GI Joe movie and also had a small role in the original live action transformers. So if you want to learn about what goes into doing stunts, on a film set definitely check it out and uh, this upcoming monday i will be doing a live show with a roundtable discussion on the office as voted on by the patreon uh patreon subscribers and joining me on the roundtable will be the official fact checker of nerd cave retro mr wallace phelps fantastic that'll be uh this upcoming monday at 8 p.m over on the Derek Diamond Experience Facebook page. Stupid cat. And, and Ripping up my carpet. As I mentioned, <laughs> some good Star Wars stuff coming up with uh, Empire Strikes Back discussion at the end of the year and then kick off 2021 with The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. It's going to be good. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for that. What um, about you? For Open Micers, which will be tomorrow evening, which is Thursday, we do... A show every Thursday night at 7 o'clock right here on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash jfunktastic. This week we're going to be talking to uh, director and comedian Wendy Stewart Kaplan. Um, she is, oh, she's gotten, like, her, it, it's literally, it's it, her, reading her bio is like, it, it's like war and peace. There's so much stuff here. She studied anthropology and theater. Um, let's see, she does, uh, she was been in the fashion industry, she's been a model, um, and she, like I said, she's a comedian, uh, actress, she's a ho- uh, a host, a model, everything you can possibly be, so if you're interested in hearing us interview her, that'll be tomorrow night at 7, uh, last week we had, uh, um, who was our guest last week, I forgot her name, uh, Sherry Nelson, uh, she's also an actress, model, and producer, and she was also in Maxim Magazine. So if you want to hear us talk to a Maxim model, go back and listen to that episode. Uh, that was really fun. So we, we've been getting some good guests. Uh, so come yeah. join us on Open Micers every Thursday night. And uh, the if you want to listen to it, it comes out every Saturday. So just go download Open Micers wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. Absolutely. Um, and that's just about it. I'm not sure what I'm going to be reviewing next week. Um, I do have Mega Man 3 I need to dive into. Because uh, I bought it a couple of, about a month ago and still haven't touched it. I cleaned it, but I haven't played it yet. And uh, I may do that. But if I don't have time to do that, I may do something simple. Not sure. Um, I'll figure it out by this weekend. Because I'll have a little more time to play. Yeah. But uh, but that's going to do it for this week, and um, I think we're going to go ahead and get out of here. What do you say? 
Let's do it. Uh, let me pull up my notes here. If you'd like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com and definitely send us some news stories. Rampage is on it every week. Why aren't y'all? Send me some news stories. And you can also just email us whatever and tell tell us that we're cool or we suck or whatever. Just send us an email at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're also at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at NerdCaveRetro and individually at JFunktastic and at Derek underscore Diamond. And we're at Facebook at Facebook.com slash NerdCaveRetro. And, of course, we're on Patreon at Patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro where you can throw us a couple of bucks every month and help keep the lights on. And if you keep us above the $50 level, we will continue to do the commentary tracks every single month. But if you can't do that, leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So, Derek, please... Tell them what it's all about. Master Blaster runs by the town. You blow it!